Welcome to the Bars FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight is our New Year's special from 2021 to 2022, a conversation with Pastor Brad Cummings. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And we are now on the edge of changing over into 2022 as one of the craziest years in the history of our nation, if not the history of man, has now passed us by nearly 2021. This has been a year to remember. (laughs) It's been a year of lunacy, but it's also been a great year of fellowship and building in our faith. Before we begin tonight, just a quick mention of MyPillow. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the landing page of Bards Nation. MyPillow has been an amazing supporter of Patriot events this year, of Patriots across this country, and then we are loyal to them as well for all the great work that Mike Lindell has done in fighting for election integrity and holding up his true values in Christ. I encourage you to continue to support MyPillow through this coming year. You can use your Bards code, B-A-R-D-S, to to get great savings across the entire site. We've been honored with all the great support by Patriots this year. It has allowed us to have our own landing page on the MyPillow site, which is tremendous. So thank you all very much. So again, head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. That's the landing page for Bards Nation. And use your promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S, on any of the sites, which includes MyPillow, MyStore, and the FrankSpeech.com site. Also, Expedition Coffee has been one of, has been the big success this year for our branded coffee for Bards and Bards FM and Bards Nation. It is a coffee that was designed specifically for this time to give us energy and to help boost our mental focus while helping create the foundation to resecure our whole body immune system. Expedition Coffee, XPED, is also a page where you can find all of the holistic products that come together to work together to build our health sovereignty. And those include the gut health triad, the immune XP. It includes earth, which is a full body supplement and pure 47, which is a refined silver extract that can isolate the pathogens in your body, including all SARS-CoV viruses. That full set of complemented products, starting with the coffee, was designed specifically as part of the contribution to this fight, designed in part by Dr. Eric Naputi to help fight the, the viruses that are in our time and help restore our body health system back to ourselves, give us health sovereignty as God intended us to have. So again, head on over to Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, expeditioncoffee.com and check it out. Finally, The Founder's Bible, which is very apropos for tonight because tonight we're going to be speaking to Brad Cummings, who's the general editor for The Founder's Bible. The Founder's Bible is what I consider to be the Bible of our time. It's an NASB 1995 edition with our founding fathers' documents worked in throughout the scriptures. It's an amazing journey, both in the study of the word of the Lord and to understand how much our founding fathers use scripture as a living language. It's impressive. It's amazing. 
So if you use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, in the coupon section of checkout, you'll get 20% off on these Bibles. So head on over to thefoundersbible.com, use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, and get the discount of 20% off. This is really a time, patriots, that we've had a lot to look at and a lot to reflect on this last year. It's been a crazy year, and yet there's also been some amazing events that have happened, and we're going to go over a few of those before we start our show tonight or the interview tonight. I want to go over some of these. These are some of the best right here. I came across this earlier. The top 10 most ridiculous stories of the past year, uh, starting with this one, the prayer book called Dear God, Please Help Me to Hate White People. This is no kidding. A prayer book called A Rhythm of Prayer, a collection of meditations for renewal. Uh, is a number one bestseller on Amazon in the category of meditation. One prayer called Prayer of a Weary Black Woman by doc, Dr. Shinequa Walker Barnes, a theology professor at Mercer University. I'll bet I don't go there. Dear God, please help me to hate white people or at least to want to hate them. And it goes on. Now, it's only from the demented left you get something like this. Oh, and here's another top story of the year. California public schools want to introduce prayer to Aztec gods and human sacrifice. <laughs> this is outstanding. An approved statewide curriculum in California for elementary and high school students attempts to decolonize American society with an ethnic studies course. Yes, that's it. In the course, children are instructed in Aztec chants to various gods of human sacrifice and cannibalism, asking the gods to make them warriors of social justice. And while you're at it, can I take a side of somebody's thigh too, please? How about this one? UK politician Jenny Jones of Baroness in the House of Lords said she might introduce an amendment to create a curfew for men on the streets after 6 p.m., which I feel would make women a lot safer and discrimination of all kinds would be lessened. <laughs> this is for real. These are great, I'll tell you. How about this one? The actual medical journal says whiteness is a malignant parasite-like condition. This is true. Witnesses, whiteness is a condition one first acquires and then one has a malignant parasitic-like condition in which white people have a particular susceptibility to. <laughs> I think so. I, I look in the mirror every morning and I say, there's that parasite, and boy, do I love it. It's great. Give me more of that parasite, please. I'm happy. Sadly, this is not an Onion or Babylon Bee satirical news story, but it's becoming harder to tell the difference. It's not for me. I'll tell you right now, I look in the morning every day and I say, that parasite's looking great. Man, I'm happy God gave me this parasite. God bless you. So anyway, the, the Journal of American uh, Psychoanalytic Association is a real academic journal which published a research article called Oh, Having Whiteness, On Having Whiteness, Oh, Whatever. Oppose COVID restrictions, you might be a terrorist. Here's another great one. Leading up to the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the Dar Department of Homeland Security warned about potential terrorism. But for some reason, it was not focused on foreign terrorists harbored by the likes of the Taliban, now back in power in Afghanistan. Instead, the DHS is focused on domestic extremists saying such threats 
are also exacerbated by impacts on the ongoing global pandemic, including grievances over public health safety measures and perceived government restrictions. So all you out here, I'll tell you right now, that's what we have in 2021, the idea that we're all domestic terrorists. Australian town, Australian town executes dogs to prevent COVID. That's a for real story. Volunteer workers at a dog shelter in Cobra, Australia, were sent to rescue several animals from a dog pound located approximately 100 miles away from town Burke. But the local government council at Burke didn't want any mangy, disgusting, diseased human beings coming into their town. So the town council of Burke ordered the dogs to be shot to death. This just gets on and on. Oh, we just have a few more, and then we'll get going. The, uh, the designer of AOC's Tax the Rich dress hasn't paid her taxes. That's the best one right there. <laughs> on September, Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez wore a dress emblazoned with Tax the Rich to the $35,000 per ticket Met Gala. The designer of her dress is Aura James, who sells overpriced dresses to celebrities design company owned by James owes almost $180,000 worth of taxes. Huh. Funny how that goes. Woke pro mask pediatricians censor their own research for years. The American Academy of Pediatrics has stressed the importance of visual cues in children development. In other words, young children develop language skills by seeing facial expressions in adults they're interacting with. When mommy smiles, it helps the child understand the word she's using, and it contributes heavily to overall language development. The AAP had been published, had even published significant research on the topic, underscoring how critical it was for children to be able to see facial expressions. But then COVID came. And suddenly the science changed. In August, AAP completely reversed itself almost in 1984 style. In a Twitter blitz, the AAP stated that there are no studies to support this concern. And then this insanity continues. And the final top story of the year, a school tied a mask onto a disabled girl's face. A Florida father, Jeffrey Steele, was surprised one day to day when his young daughter Sophia came home from school with a mask on. Jeffrey did not send Sophia to school wearing a mask because she has Down syndrome, cannot speak, and has an enlarged tongue, which makes it dangerous to force her to wear a mask. And besides, Governor Ron DeSantis has banned Florida schools from requiring masks. But Jeffrey was even more furious when he realized that the mask had been tied to Sophie's face with a nylon string so that she couldn't take it off. Patriots, in 10 articles, we just summed up the entire 2021. And this is what I'm saying right here, right now. Good riddance. We need no more of it. I'm tired of it. It's just wore us all out, and I think we're all ready for a new change. Now, on the upside, and it's a beautiful side, this year, as challenging as it has been, we have seen a deeper reach into our relationship with Christ and our relationship with the Lord. We have built great fellowship. Let us not forget Bards Fest, which was a highlight of the year, as we really put ourselves as a group, as a nation on our knees to seek repentance and to bring God back into this nation. We have seen great courage in this year. We've seen people standing up against this COVIDity, this COVID idiocy. And we have seen courage to stand up in face of the government. But 
with that, we've also seen how difficult it is with our families and managing through that. And yet, patriots continue to persevere. The one thing that we can be assured of in this year is that we have taken a lot of lessons of truth and we've had to face a lot of hard truths this year. We've had to step away from our expectations that men will save us. We've had to start realizing that the true success in this fight is going to be us and our relationship through Christ Jesus to the Father. And as long as we hold on to those powerful, powerful positions, nothing's going to shake us. 2022 is a new year of beginning of renewal. How that manifests is going to be a lot dependent on us and our relationship with God and how we are willing to walk forward and take that position to bring his light into the world. It's going to take courage. It's going to take the courage of Gideon. It's, and that's that courage to stand up against an army of unprecedented numbers when God pairs your army down to 300 and literally says, blow trumpets and break pots of light and watch the enemy disperse. It's going to take the courage of Joshua. It's going to have to lead an army into a fight and have the courage for that army to base itself on prayer and worship as God collapses walls. And it's going to take the courage of each and every one of us, of David, to be able to stand up to the Goliaths as the armies quiver and try to tell you you can't and take a single rock and drop the giant to the ground as the enemy flees. This is the courage that we now need and we have to have. And as we step into this 2022, I'm challenging each and every one of us to take that courage into our heart, to take that courage into prayer, and to stand forward and to make a difference in this world in this coming year. There can be no more acceptance of tyranny. We've had our dose of it. We've had our witness of it. And it's now up to us that we must make the choice of whether we are going to stand or whether we are going to be victims. It's very important that we remember what's in our Declaration of Independence. And so before we begin with this interview, I want to read the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to, of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evices a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. This is where we are. And this is a time now to embrace those words 
as we prepare to step into 2022 and bring this country back to the place where God is once again on the throne and our government is subordinate to us. Patriots, with that said, allow me to introduce a good friend, a brilliant mind, and somebody I have enormously deep conversations with God about, Pastor Brad Cummings. Well, Patriots, I'm really excited on the New Year's Eve show to have Pastor Brad Cummings on. You know him from the previous interview we did a couple weeks ago, but also as the general editor for the Founder's Bible, which, as you hear me say almost every night, the Founder's Bible is literally, in my opinion, the Bible for our time. An incredible document and assembly of, of history and biblical scripture together for an amazing product that we can follow and learn about our founding fathers and our own history. But with all that said, it's a real honor to have Pastor Cummings on. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you for being on today. Happy New Year, by the way. It's a blast to join you. We, we, we've uh, been burning up the midnight oil, having conversations, uh, you know, assessing how to change planet Earth. I think we're almost there. We're, we're about to poke through. I think we are too. And what a great thing to do on New Year's heading into 2022 after a pretty crazy 2021. My goodness. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, I, I think I've lived a decade in this last year, man. It is, it, when I think of just how much of the landscape has shifted and how much the curtain is being pulled back on things we may have been curious about. They just, it seems as if, you know, I think the good news is the light is getting turned on and people are starting to see what really is there. No, I agree. I think one of the big challenges people have on a daily basis is the, the balance between the threat of tyranny and living in that walk of Christ. And you and I have talked a lot about the concept of intimacy, yeah, which I we both share, and it's the importance of really pressing into an intimate relationship with Christ and not just taking it as kind of a prima facie, I have a relationship, I'm saved, et cetera. Where are you, where are you with that? And, and what are your perspectives on that? You know, it, it, it's, it's a little bit of a word play, but when you're dealing with an omniscient God, it's not as if he needs information. The intimacy comes from allowing my relationship to, to sort of the, the plan, the words is into me see. You know, I sort of feel like God does not force His way into my life. He He comes via invitation. I mean, I I end up going like, what other God stands outside the building and knocks? And if the door is open from our end, His promise is He will come in. And and I just feel like, wow, amongst all the options of the deities out there, it seems we, we're worshiping the one that's not forcing himself. And so I, when, I, when I look at the relationship, you know, it's like there's some scary verses when, you know, at the end of the day, there's a whole bunch of people that are saying, but Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? And it's like, he's not contending that that is not, you know, true information. But he, he says, but depart from me, I never knew you. And I think when I first stumbled across that verse, I, it was sort of like, oh my gosh, these people knew who they were talking to. They were forthright in presenting their own defense. 
but the leg sweep of where he was intended is like, we weren't friends. We didn't have intimacy. There wasn't a shared life that was forged. And yeah, you know, I think for me, that's, that's where everything has changed. It's kind of like, um, I think I've shared some of this, you know, maybe to some of your audience, but when I was converted as a little kid, I was converted to a person who revealed himself to me. It's like I was six years old. Someone was talking about Jesus as being your wonderful friend. And I don't know how it happened, but a little six-year-old saw a person and he kind of winked at me like, hey, I'd like to be your friend. And I took it at face value. And so I was introduced to someone that I began a relationship with. I later had to go to seminary to find out what all the names and labels meant. But it really began with simple friendship. And I think the the really amazing gift in my life has been, that's always been sort of, you know, ground zero, that how am I doing there? Am I actually talking with him? Am I hearing him back? I mean, I don't think it's possible to have a relationship unless there's two-way communication. And so I, you know, as, as a pastor, as a theologian, I get really confused why we argue about whether or not that's real. Because I'm like, how do you have a relationship if there isn't two-way communication and I can't do all the talking from my end and call that real? So, you know, I, when you bring it down to, you know, you and I are friends because we talk. We share things. We share insights in our feelings and our perspectives. And because of that, I've gotten to know you fairly well, even in a short period of time. And you the same. I just would encourage people to do that with the living God. You know, it's like that. That's the, the amazing thing of Jesus. It's like he put on a human earth suit, became one of us. I don't think to try to, you know, pretend something. I think that's the demonstration of how important we are to him and the kind of relationship he wants. One of the things that we all face right now is this discernment between the paths that are ahead of us. And that discernment includes obviously a very extreme path, which I would, as I talk on the show is the representation by Joe Biden and his clan of, of crazies. And then you have this emerging path, which I'm referring to regularly now as MAGA, which is more and more, it's looking like another dimension or extension of this fourth industrial revolution. And then we have this emerging path, which I would say a few years ago was not as clear to us of the importance of it. And it's the pure and true walk with Christ. And it's that, it's that breakaway. And I'm, and within that path, there's kind of infinite possibilities because of our relationship with God. Right. I think the intimacy piece fits in there, but I, and it's, it gets convoluted for many because of a pool between the principles of politics in our lives and that sort of lure to want to support a man, support a policy, support a, a nation in the form of what is essentially a, a really corrupt institution. And the, the fear that keeps many from saying, okay, I'm going to let all that go and I'm simply going to turn myself over to Christ and trust in him. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's interesting because if, if it wasn't for the television or reading newspapers or, you know, perusing the Internet, if we turned off all that noise, would human government 
really impact my daily life an awful lot? Because I end up going like, would it change the way I live just because someone in Washington is doing something? At the end of the day, I'm invited to be an engaged person in my community, in my neighborhood, in my family, in my own walk. And if, I, if I'm centered on what those things are, and I am living a life that is in hot pursuit of a relationship with God, and then I'm loving the people around me, and I'm seeking to walk as he would guide and direct me, I'm going to be engaged in human affairs. I mean, I think politics is the outworking of our discipleship. And so when, when people are sort of against politics, I end up going like, well, I'm just curious how you define that. Because, you know, if I live in a country and I am a part of that, then I have some measure of an obligation for a portion of my life to be lived in connection to that. And how I live that, I think the most amazing thing about America as it was, as it was designed is it was meant to provide freedom for everybody and then to try to keep government as small as it could. Now, we've abandoned that, and I think that's where there's all the mess of problems. But, you know, I think at times I felt the lure of, of thinking, oh, someone's going to ride in on a white horse into the federal government and solve this. And I think what's being revealed to us, at least in the last you know few years, is that ain't happening. That's not the solution. And I think this all boils down to how do I live as a free person in the community wherein I live? You know, I could live in isolation and, and seek to have nothing to do with people. And I know people that do that. I just feel like I don't see that as matching what Jesus calls me to do. You know, it's like I think the true love that I have for God is expressed in how I relate and engage with others. So I kind of feel like that's essential. Well, I agree. Again, we're back to this intimacy part of our walk in this world. It's difficult, I think, for people to envision a world where we've literally said, okay, we're done with the old. And for myself, it's not. I'm going to be very honest. We, you and I have talked a lot about this, and it's just a choice of walking with Christ. In fact, I've said even recently, it's like, you have to really ponder the effectiveness of the vote, not at a local level, which is really where we're trying to rebuild in the spirit of what God gave us, but at a, a state and, and national level, considering the effectiveness of the vote and what you're going to do with that and how important that is in a system that's completely rigged, you need to think carefully about it. I mean, one person said to me, and I just love this, he said, I'm not, I'm not voting anymore other than to do a write-in candidate for president, which is Jesus. And I, I said, okay, <laughs> I can do that. That's pretty good. So I, I think this is part of the, the challenge people are having is the, the obedience and the, I, I'm going to use the word love loosely, but the passion for the red, white, and blue and United States of America as a country, realizing now that we have to confront the fact that that institution is, as you just said, it's not what it was intended. It's not functioning in its structure. So where do we go? What do we do? How do we feel like we are going to still be a country? And that in itself is a question. And where do all of our responsibilities, quote unquote, go if we're not going to vote or where vote isn't effective? These are big issues right now that we face in 2022. 
I, I think the connecting point where you and I are, are sharing a lot of shared um, passion, vision, and, and, and wanting to figure out application is I think that has to be driven back to the level that matters, which is the local level. You know, I think what's amazing is, you know, our, our county sheriffs actually have a tremendous amount of authority, and they're the primary enforcement agency of what it is we say we believe. And it's like they can overrule in their jurisdiction, you know, federal, you know, usurpation. And you're going like, okay, wow, what if, as opposed to being bothered about the, you know, the clown act in at the federal level? Because I, I end up going like, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to conclude this, but I kind of look at both sides of the aisle are the same. They're two sides of the same coin. There's an establishment class that rules with self-interest. And then there's a lobbyist element that just buys all of them for preferred class implementation. So we don't really have anyone representing truly the people and so you just end up going like, okay, you know, I don't like being a cynic, but at the same time, it's going like, when the thing doesn't work, you know, our first motto of our, our nation was um, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. And I end up going like, well, ultimately, who is the true in charge? And it's God. And then I'm his representative to extend his kingdom on the earth. We set up human governments to protect and, and preserve that. Whenever governments get in the way of that, it's our duty to overthrow that and replace them with something that would work. We're at that stage. I mean, whether people like it or not, our government is utterly broken. And, you know, my, my son works in D.C. And you're just going like, you know, when, when, when we talk, it's sort of like, you know, he goes, Dad, I think, I think this thing is so broken. The swamp is so deep. I don't know that you can go diving for the plug and think you're going to get anywhere. He said, and the, the, probably the best thing would happen is that this whole thing fell apart and we started afresh in some other city that wasn't already co-opted. And you just go like, wow, he has a vested interest. He's there. He, you know, it's like, that's where he lives. And he's going like, I don't think this is really going to work. And I, I, I'm kind of at that same point where you're going like, you know what? What I can do is I can, I can seek to implement the things that matter in the spheres that I really do engage in, and that's my local community. Everyone, that's true of everybody. You know, maybe there's some people that have a much wider voice, a bigger platform, and, and God bless whatever influence they can. But at the end of the day, it all only matters when it is locally implemented. And, and so if it's broken, I think, I think that's the headwater of politics. I don't think it's the other way around. It's not what happens at the federal level and then trickles back to local. I think what's, what's true of the local is what ultimately trickles down to federal. I think that's key. And, yeah. and what, what we can do is, is actually be salt and light right there. And that's going to be my most effective engagement. This is a great segue into where I wanted to go today, and, I, and it's the principle of the founding documents. The Declaration of Independence, for me, is the only true people's document in the nation. The Federalist Papers make an extensive argument to 
enhance the Federalist power. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights come out of that, and it was a pretty heavy sell job through the Federalist Papers that they were able to sell these new states on the concept of a new Constitution. And, of course, there were a few that held out to ensure the Bill of Rights, which I think is they saw through what the Constitution was really about. And I want to dig into this a little bit because you have some really good research here to show that the Constitution is not really what we thought it was. Yeah. But I think that a few states held out to see the, what it really was and ensured certain rights for the people. But we've ended up with a strange situation where the true understanding of how our country was intended is embodied in literally the second paragraph in the Declaration of Independence. And it begins, that whole framework begins with, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That establishes us as a theological monarchy first, a people's republic second, and a government that is then subordinate to the people and all that are subordinate to God. So what? let's talk a little bit about this document and how that relates to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been eye-opening in the last year and a half as I've kind of like dug and dug and dug. It's, you know, doing the Founders Bible Project was just profound as far as its impact. So I'm like, wow, this, this truly is the foundations of what they were trying to do. And it was very clear to me Unlike any other place in all of time and history, the the elites of their day were trying to set up something that would free and empower the common man to live as a free person. And you're just going like, wow, who, who, who ever tried that before? But we, we, we sort of swear our allegiance to the Constitution. And I end up looking at, you know, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence, and I'm of the same mind as you. The one I'm really jazzed about, the one I'm utterly committed to, that's the one I'm going to swear my allegiance to, is the Declaration of Independence. It's like it's the one that establishes God as the author of all of our rights. And then government is just sort of the bylaws of how we get there. Um the Declaration of Independence is sort of like the purpose and mission statement. The Constitution is sort of like the bylaws of, okay, how are we going to implement this? And so, you know, if you look at the Constitution, I'll be honest, there's not much in there that I really am impassioned about that I think is for us. I, I did some discovery, and it's like it was first used as a debt agreement. And I'm going like long before, you know, a nation used it as its founding document in, 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 in British law and corporations, a, a, a constitution was a debt agreement. It was, it was an obligation and the constitutors are the ones who are agreeing to pay the debt. And I'm going like, okay, that changes a lot. That, that, that reframes what the constitution is. I, you know, Patrick Henry is one of my big heroes of the founding guys. You know, arguably, we wouldn't have the revolution if it wasn't for his voice. You know, long before the first shot was fired in Lexington, it's like it was the, the first voice that fired the salvo was Patrick Henry. He refused to sign the Constitution because he said, I smell a rat. And I'm, I'm going like, wow, 
he's one of the galvanizing forces for freedom. And his perspective of the Constitution is there's something wrong. And I just end up going like, okay, if we're going to have an unsanitized look at the truth, what was bothering him? And I look at what's in the Constitution and you just go like, there's a crazy little clause that says the only form of valuable, uh, valid currency is coinage. And, and I asked you know, some of my historian friends, I said, what do you think of that? And they looked at me like, well, what do you mean? I said, we didn't have um, gold mines and treasures. We had no way to coin our own money. So if that's the only form of legal currency, who put that in there? And was that actually beneficial? Because that's, that's the debt part that held us to the crown. We, we came into this thing as a debtor. We owed 19 million to England and then 17 million to France. And both of them were served by the Rothschild bankers. And that's not conspiracy theory stuff. That's just history. So here we are starting as a nation. And it's like, guess what? We supposedly won a war, but we got a $36 million unpayable debt. But the only way we can pay it off is in actual gold. And we were never free from that standpoint. We had our paper freedom, but we didn't have our actual economic freedom. And the thing that has gone um, our, our debt is the Constitution. And so I go like, well, I don't really want to swear my allegiance to that. You know, I, I, I'm amazed that the, that the founders were as noble as they were that said, okay, let's pay it off. But it wasn't until, I think, 1835 with Andrew Jackson that we ever actually paid off our national debt. I mean, that, 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 that's insane. And only for one year. And it's because we found gold in Atlanta. And I'm just going like, this is crazy. Of all the years that America has been alive, there's only one year, one calendar year that we um, were free from our national debt. And if real freedom is expressed that you don't owe somebody. I mean, it's like the, the, the debtor is a slave to the lender. So where's our freedom? This is really interesting, especially as part of the gold pursuit. You mentioned Atlanta, which is where they found gold. That now gets us right into the Civil War in parallel with the gold rush out to California. So yeah. there's some interesting events that was we start to look at all of this coming together and starting to ask the questions of who is pulling the strings on who all roads ultimately seem to lead back to the Rothschilds, which of course will take us back even deeper, probably to the Vatican at the end of the day. Yeah. The declaration of independence though somehow gets washed under the rug in all of this. And I've argued this a lot on the show that if you really listen to the legal discourse that has come out of the last 200 years, there has been a concerted effort to try to separate the Declaration of Independence from our main body document, which is the Constitution, which is essentially the contract of indebtedness. Yes. And it's no surprise when we look at this, even though this was the first formal document, the Declaration of Independence, that was signed by this nation, approved by the Continental Congress. So it is a legitimate document and the founding document, the founding document that establishes the United States. 
And it is the formal form of governance, in fact, in the first two paragraphs, which is profound. Equally is the testimony that it gives as to why they must initiate this separation from the UK, as if to confirm that through God, that these are our reasons and justifications. It is a document that I continue to go back to, like we say, and I'm just, every time I read it, I'm, I'm stunned by all that's in it and how much construct even of governance is in that. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because like when you establish um, like corporations and, and legal entities, there's two aspects that you have to establish to really form something that's legal and valid. And it's like the there's a mission statement as to here's the what and why we're doing. And then there's the bylaws, the constitution that says, and here's the governing rules of how. And you don't have an actual full legal entity until you have both of those things codified. So there is no way to separate the declaration from the constitution if you were, you know, sort of abiding by how do we set up a legal entity that will be acknowledged in the, you know, in the world of the entity. And so they really do go hand in hand. The fact that there's been such a concerted effort to separate them already tells you somebody doesn't know what they're doing and they have an ulterior motive. There's an agenda behind that. You know, they look at the Constitution and guess what? There's really no references to God in there. Other than in the year of our Lord, I mean, it's like that, 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 that's the only connecting point. Um, and so they talk about the godless constitution. So the folks that want to kick God out want to somehow do away with the, the, the declaration because that unashamedly is all about God and establish the primacy of our, our creator, of nature's God. And, and you're just going like, that's where you get the self-evident truth. That's, that's what establishes our as, as a person, my individual freedom and supremacy before I get the government. It's like under the living God, I am a free person. And, and, and it's the declaration that declares that as a self-evident reality. Then our bylaws are not supposed to be in contradiction to that. They're supposed to be in service to that. And that's where I think it all gets mucked up in our legal code because they don't really honor that purpose. It's like um, when they had courts back in the day, um, the jurors were supposed to look at the law and one of the verdicts they could render is that the law was wrong. The law was perverting justice because it was a poorly written law and they would change the law if need be. We are so far from that where people aren't educated enough to even understand what we're supposed to be doing. And so... You know, you know, I, I would say people would do themselves great service by being students of the Declaration and start there. And then they'd look at the Constitution as, okay, this is just sort of the, the more minutiae part of how we're going to live that out. And what, what's crazy is when you look at the Constitution, it's like one of the problems we have is there's not a lot of clarity as to what to do and who's supposed to do it when they don't follow it. And, th and, th and that's the predicament that we're in now is because we have people who wholesale are not abiding by our founding documents and even the, the things that we established as our guiding principles. They've abandoned that. And then the question is, well, then 
who is going to stand up against that and what are they going to do? And we don't have a lot of um, declared um, punishment and, and how to fix that. That, that, that. that was sort of the brilliance of an engaged citizenry. They were supposed to work that out. They didn't, they didn't spell everything out in its minutia. These were large, overarching, you know, sort of guidelines. And we've abandoned that. And so I think that, that's the problem is when you sort of look to government to fix itself, well, it's like it's not even abiding by its own documents. So we're already under tyranny. And the only way that's going to be fixed is if the, if the citizens themselves say enough. I'm not, it's time to sort of revamp this whole thing. And then it's the question of, do you have the courage to actually do that? Because I think most people are intimidated. They, they don't feel like they know enough. They don't know exactly what to do. And I'm just going like, until we have the resolve to stand up and say, no, I will not comply. We're going to be under someone else's boot. When we look at, the process then that occurs with the Federalist Papers, and it's really an interesting debate of trying to enhance the power of the federal government over the Articles of Confederation. And, and this is an area that I don't know if you've done much work in, but I'm, I haven't done a deep study into the Articles of Confederation, which begs the question of what did we have, and this is one of my 2022 challenges, is what did we have in terms of a governance model in the Articles of Confederation since it seems to have a deeper connection with the Declaration of Independence and its organic flow, the Federalist Papers establish an argument. It's a, it's a selling is what it is over, what is it, 85 papers, that they are literally selling the position that we must take on a higher and more strategic federal role to engage in world politics and to benefit the protection of the nation. And there's obviously different forms of protection, monetary, commerce, military, and that the responsibilities of the states need to be abdicated over to a federal, a strengthening federal entity, which was a great amount of pushback on that. Well, I, I think the reason that you have this push for the Constitution, and it is kind of crazy that those things were released anonymously. You know, it's like there could be a good reason of why, but me, me thinks. <laughs> that the guys who were advocating didn't have the courage to put their name to it because it was such a sticky widget at the time. And why do you have to write 85 papers to try to sell this if it was so clearly in our best interest? It, 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 it wasn't. But what they realized, the failure of the Articles of, of Incorporation, the Articles of Confederation, is you did not have a strong federal central government because everybody that, that revolted against England was saying, we don't trust that. We don't want a really strong central federal government. We want the power back in the hands of the people. So the states were given a tremendous amount of freedom because that's where there's a lot more accountability to the actual people that you live with. And so that's where they lead. The problem that they experienced is when all of a sudden we have this debt that needs to be paid, there was no clear enforcement to demand taxation of the people. And that's where there's this, this need to sort of have a stronger 
federal government. You know, one of the things that, that George Washington experienced as one of the failures of our Articles of, of Confederation is the fact that, you know, here he is being a soldier and in, in, in bringing other soldiers to bear. We only had maybe 3% of the people actually fight for the freedom of everyone else. And you're going like, and they, they were rarely paid. They, 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 you know, the biggest problem was how do we even get enough resources for them? And, and so, you know, they nearly mutinied. I mean, they were so poorly treated as the ones who fought for our freedom that they nearly mutinied and rode into town to sort of establish, you know, Washington as a dictator. He was the one that stopped them from doing that. And so what you saw is the, the papers that, that, that bound us together did not have a lot of enforcement for solving the predicament. I mean, there, there, there was um, such a problem after the war that our nation, our little confederate of, you know, gathering of states nearly utterly fell apart. I mean, it's like it, it, it got bloody on people because the government was trying to extract from an already exhausted people even more resources to pay the bill. And, you know, what I take away out of it is, you know, at the end of the day, the way we handle our fiscal house is going to really tell me what it is that we actually believe and who this actually serves. And the frank, the, the, the honest truth is, is it serves the ruling class. It serves those who are seeking to wield power. They indebt us far beyond. You would never run a personal household the way they run our government. And that's just wrong. So long as that's true, we're never going to really have freedom. We're always going to be in some form of compromised um, chaos. And, and I, I look at what's happening today and I almost feel like, you know what? This is a perfect storm. The reason we have this big global push for a great reset is there's not a single nation out there that isn't way over its skis and cannot bring things back into conformity with how you should run a household. And that's because we've kicked the can down the, the road so long and everyone has. And it's like, so now it's like they want to, you know, fake us into a moment that they can get full control again. And, and I, I'm sitting there going like, not on, not on my watch. No way. I am not going to go down with this. This is our time to really sort of let the whole thing fall apart and then to rebuild it as we should. And that's going to happen from a local level. And the Constitution isn't my friend, but the Declaration is. And the Bill of Rights is the one thing that I'm going like, well, that that was what was trying to bring um, balance to what was in the Constitution. So the Constitution, frankly, is the is of the three documents, the one that's the least helpful for me, the the one that has to be most guarded against. And, you know, I just feel like, why do I have a founding document that I have to do that with? That's absolute truth. This gets into this real divisive space as we start to talk about reset. And yet this is exactly what our founding fathers faced. And we are now back there again in some of these impassioned debates that they had over the direction of this new experiment. Benjamin Franklin stated, you know, now you have a republic. Good luck keeping it. We're kind of there. Well, more than kind of there. We are there because we haven't kept it. We have not done our due diligence, in my opinion, as what citizenry was required to do. You've pointed that out even in terms of the role of the juries 
and the role of an impassioned and engaged people. We've lost a lot of that. And it seems to me that in this reset, as we start to go local now, we have to start again, taking the lessons of the past, taking some risks. And that opens up an interesting look at what the United States, as we see it now, could become, which is a very variegated collage, if you will, or quilt of unique counties trying different ways to experiment off of a foundation of a declaration of independence and yet trying to bridge unity with one another. The center point to all of this, which I think is the biggest step in the right direction, but the hardest step for the nation, especially in this current climate, is the acceptance that God is on the throne above all, that we are literally a theological monarchy. I don't think historically we have ever seen that happen in the history of man, at least that we know of, where God was literally put on the throne above all things. And yet that's right in the Declaration of Independence. It, it, it is. And frankly, I, I, I challenge you to find the books that really um, elucidate that. They, they, it, it, it's like if that was assumed and if that was known, then the sad reality is it wasn't reemphasized for subsequent generations sufficient enough because, you know, when I first was hearing you say that, I'll be honest, as much as I know, I was, I was trying to then think through, is that true? Is that true? Is that true? And I'm going like, you know what? It is. You're, you're absolutely correct there. But that, we don't have that described and made understood for the rest of our citizenry. We, ha- we are so down the mantra of a democracy, democracy, democracy. And I'm going like, the founders hated democracy. They would never have established a democracy. They didn't trust it. They, they had history that said it always commits suicide, and, and, and it, it always leads to mobocracy. Democracy was always seen as a soft on-ramp to what ultimately becomes socialism and communism. And they understood some of those things, so they purposely chose the republic. Well, how are we 200, 200 years downstream, and, and, and no one knows that? I mean, the sheer number of elected officials would not be able to identify that with any clarity for you. And you're going like, well, how did we get seduced away from our foundation? And because we don't understand that, wait a minute, everything that works in our government, the reason America is different than other nations around the world, it does, it is different because it starts from a different standpoint. Man is not in charge. Man is first in response to a God who's supposed to be enthroned and in charge. And what's so amazing about, you know, I think Christianity more than anything else is if I'm a genuine disciple, then I don't get to live as a solitary, selfish self. I already have to start demonstrating the truth of what I believe and how I treat my brother. And I just go like, this is utterly brilliant because what other God could you worship that really reflects that? And I'll be honest, I don't think other deities out there have the same demand upon their followers of love one for another. I mean, the Bible kind of says, if you really love God, then you're going to love your brother. And you just go like, well, I don't know how many people are awesome at that. And and, and that's sort of the check and balance built into the God we worship is, is it's not a it's not a focus on my life and the benefits I get. 
it's a focus on him and then each other. And I, I, I really get excited when I find someone who is secure enough in self to be other centered. I, I go like, I don't care where you put that in, in, in realms of, you know, the, the label you put on that. But I go like, that is where the Holy spirit is doing something extraordinary in the life of a follower of Jesus, that they actually are secure enough in self that they can have their focus on the well being of others. And Alexis de Tocqueville was this guy that was a prison um, worker in France. And he came over to America to go like, why is it that America is so exceptional and works and France is still such a mess? And, and his observation, I mean, he's the guy who came up with the phrase American exceptionalism. His observation was that the religion of the day, that what we really believed about God was so woven into the fabric of society Religion and politics were friends. They worked together to undergird one another. That was his fundamental um, thesis of observation going, that's why America is so exceptional. Because in France, they're divided and they're enemies. In America, people really believed this. And because they really believed this, they made for great citizens and caretakers of one another. They had built in uh, a check and balance on the selfishness of man because it really was we the people. It wasn't how do I use the law to benefit me and to disadvantage you. That's what we have today. But back then, they were really going like the law is not good if it doesn't really address everyone's needs. So we got to do a little more work to come up with something that really is fair in its implementation for everybody. And did they get it right everywhere? No, they didn't. But they were committed to going in that direction and trying to figure it out. And that's what we're missing today. We don't have that as an agreed upon fabric. You know, you know, everyone uses whatever they can extract from the law to use it as a weapon against the people they don't agree with. In this time right now, there is so much corruption across the institutions that we should be able to trust, including the churches. And it leaves a lot of people in a quandary as they look at their local community. And it's really the big question of where do I begin? One of the big things I've pushed, as you know, and we've had a lot of discussion about, is this principle of county by county, which is that all change begins initially in the home. And as we build out the sovereignty of our homes, which includes the various pillars, and there's I put out seven of those, to reclaim the, the importance of centering God within our home and building that out as a home church to taking our children out of these indoctrination camps with homeschooling, reclaiming some independence through our production of food so that we're, no matter where we live, we're at least producing some of our food, reclaiming our position independently by through work, which is what I term as right work. And that's using your gifts and talents to, to earn a living as God intends to reclaim our sovereignty over health so we're not dependent upon the health system, to use informed action, which is the the education, the knowledge to build not only knowledge libraries within our home, but to expand our skills, resources, and understanding of the elements of change within our local community, and to enhance our stewardship and conservation of what we are given, which would include 
what we buy, what we purchase, and even the money that we use. So within this structure, as I have talked a lot and will be highly focused on in 2022, to me that seems to be the empowerment point that as we can start focusing on our homes and building the like-mindedness, we've almost started to create an island, if you will, or a an ecclesia, again, by principle of those of common mindset, maybe not by formal location yet, but at least by function to where we are living a life of that represents the proper way that can by itself, literally, we become the salt and the light for the communities by the way that we live in our homes. Yeah, no, I did what you just outlined. I'm going to write your name in for president because it's like that's the application of all this truth to, to things that are practical. And, and you just outlined in, that, in those kind of seven spheres, those really are the areas of governance that make up for our lives. And, it, and if we were diligent to apply truth, not just like pretend to know it, but apply it, because I think the Bible talks about you don't really know it until you live it. And so it, it, it's lived out truth. That, that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is skill at living life. And it's not knowing facts. It's applying that truth practically and tangibly to the outworking of our life. And it's not just does it work in my life, but how does it also um, benefit and reflect to my neighbor? You know, it's like I'm going to have an impact. And so am I having a, a, an impact of benefit and blessing on the people I live around? Or, or am I one of those the caustic problems? And if I am, then I need to adjust it because it's like, wait a minute, that's not part of really being a true disciple. Um, and so, you know, I, I look at, giving that focus, that does seem to be what should have been part of the self-evident things. <laughs> you know, we've, we've left that. And I, I really, and I'll be honest, I really don't know why. I don't know where we have disempowered ourselves to think that somehow I'm now a victim to a system because it's sort of like, I'm not. I'm either a contributor or I am sitting on the wagon when someone else is pulling it. And I think we've got far too many people that are wanting a more comfortable, provided for existence. And I'm just going like, I don't think freedom works that way. You know, Benjamin Franklin said, you know, they, they that would prefer security for freedom deserve neither. And you're going like, there's a lot of truth in that. And, and I think if, if, we get, if we get good at getting back to the simple basis of going like, okay, how do I take this love of God and who I believe him to be and apply it to all the different realms that you identified? I think we're going to start to see salt be salt in a culture. You know, it's actually going to start to have a preservative effect upon things that would otherwise go rotten. We're going to start to see light actually shining in the darkness that, you know, I think one of the phrases I really enjoy is, does it have the fragrance of Christ on it? Because if it has a stench of death, I don't like it either. But if it has the fragrance of Christ, it's going to draw people to it, and it's going to make them wonder, well, how does that work? Why does that work? You know, I, I want to live a life someone else wants to ask questions about this, is how can I do that too? And, and, and if we start to do that, and I, I do think that that's not, a, that's not a solitary individual road, but it begins 
as an individual. It's just meant to have a corporate expression. And I think so many of our institutions, in the name of efficiency, they really are our abdicating our responsibility to somebody else. And I think there's a fundamental flaw there. You make that comment, which is a great one, of how do we get to where we are? And I'm going to make an interesting argument here as we discuss this, which is looking at the Revolutionary War and then the rise of the Federalist Papers, there is a shock and awe moment that happens to the colonists, which, again, as we talk a lot about trauma, when people feel that they've lost power to the hands of the few, there is a disempowering moment that I think begins very early on. In fact, it begins somewhere around 1785, 1788, when John Jay renegotiates the Treaty of Trade with UK. And in doing so, it, with the, in the midst of this big victory, at least perceived by the colonists, after there has been obvious blood sacrifice and sacrifice by many, John Jay advocates to the UK and gives them preferred trade status over our trade with them, infuriating the colonists to such a degree that in his own words, he could ride at night from Philadelphia to New York without needing any light by the number of effigies that were being burned of him. The hatred for him was immense. And it, to me, establishes a benchmark of the disempowerment of the colonists right from the beginning. Yeah. Because what they've been demonstrated is that we've shed the blood, and yet our leaders once again have betrayed us like every other tyrant in the past. No, I, I, I think you're nailing it right there. It's like, again, you know, bring a little more direct application. Why out of nowhere did Trump emerge? You know, he's not doing a great job for me right now. And I, and I, but I, but I know why he rose because there was a sense of going like, wow, someone who actually is in a fight against the system and empower the common man. That's the bait that we were given. And that was the response in the heart of so many that says, Oh my gosh, we got someone who's actually in a fight for, for, for me. And, 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 cause I feel like the forgotten man. And I, I do think there's a sense of going like, wow, we don't do a good job of keeping our leaders accountable. I mean, why is, why is it to be a politician is sort of just a resistor, you know, uh, is a word we would throw away. It's kind of like, you know, like, Oh, one of those. It's, it's because that that's consummate for somebody who makes promises and doesn't keep them. And it's like, why do we tolerate that? Why do we allow any of that to happen? And you, you go from the early day of we fought for our freedom and not everybody did, but at the end of the day, we were fighting for the rights for everybody. And then look how quickly it's like we were back to preferring some other power. And it's sort of like trafficking in power where I'm going like, that's a complete violation of everything we said was important. Why is that happening? And it really is because of the mismanagement of money, which is a profound thing in the scriptures that it's like the way we handle that is evidence of the way we handle a thing called true riches. And, and, and if we can't manage affairs well, that's really how we're supposed to become trustworthy servants or stewards. And I think the Bible would say, I mean, like the whole, 
self-evident truths, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I wish more people understood that the pursuit of happiness was this upward call to live a noble life. It wasn't, I get stuff and I can own stuff. It was really about, you cannot impair me from living and becoming a noble person. And that was all about character. And that has everything to do, not with my possessions and ownership. It has, it has everything to do with how I use that stuff. How I'm a steward of whatever it is I've been entrusted to. And that's where it's like that seems to have been compromised at the get-go. is because it's like, why are we preferring some foreign country over our resources? That, again, is someone taking advantage of what ought to be a level playing field. Well, I'm glad you brought Trump in because this has been a pretty rough last few weeks for many across the nation as we've confronted this position that he's taken on topics, including the vax that are just mind numbing. There is. Yeah. They're antithetical to what should, what, where he should be. Right. And so you, you have this justification that's being fabricated rapidly that, Oh, it's part of the plan. It's part of him protecting his family. It's what he has to do. And there's this sort of mindless and numbing mind numbing approach that Literally, the conclusion of all of that is he is above the law and he has to do what has to be done to save us and people die in war, including innocent children and elderly, which is stunning to me. So I don't want to dig too deep into the negative on that position. It's, I, it's something I think people have to start coming to grips with of being clear in sight and discern what's going on. Separating past from present, I think, is critical. But I do think that there's a big lesson here is as to the worship of an individual versus the acceptance that he's a man. And if, if we can accept that position, there really shouldn't be a lot of animus towards him. There really should just be that he did his role as a functioning president. He did a great deal for us. And God has warned us all along not to worship men. It becomes idolatry. No, I, 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 I think you're hitting on, on the right application. I almost, you know, I do believe that God purposed to move him into a place of leadership for a lot of good, right reasons. But just as God in the Bible chose Saul as the first king, Saul did not handle it well. And guess what? He had the kingdom pulled from him. God didn't pick Saul because he knew Saul was going to be a loser and make a wrong set of choices. It didn't have to go that way, but it did go that way. And I think, I honestly, I put Trump in the same category. I was like, you know, I hope he makes some course corrections, but right now he's making some really wrong decisions. And I'm thinking he got played by the deep state. But I also go like, as opposed to blaming him, I end up wondering do we not have our own culpability in the fact that we put him up on a pedestal and we look to him as the savior? And, and if I was God, very God, I would pull that man down too, because it's, he's not, and he wasn't supposed to be. And so it's like, it, it is in our immaturity and insecurity, we're always grasping for a man to be what God wants to be to us. 
And if we get that wrong, whoever I've put in that place is in a really terrible predicament because then it's like God's prerogative. And in order to help me, he really needs to dethrone that guy in my life. And I almost feel like, could it be more that God is allowing him to be dethroned because of our wrong focus on him? And who's really culpable with that? And the truth is, is it's both. But, but I, I don't expunge myself from my measure of responsibility. It's like, have I prayed for him like I really could and should? Um, you know, I think God has chosen other people that I diametrically don't agree with on policy, but I do understand the hand of God in choosing them, but not for the purposes that I think we think. And so, and I don't mean to be cryptic. I just, I just, I think we are supposed to be a lot more engaged in this process. And I, and I, I don't know why, but it seems like man tends to always abdicate his privilege and responsibility and he allows someone else to rule over it. If there's one lesson that we should all take, it's that, Brad, and it's a brilliant statement. And it's the willingness of us to allow and to desire, even worse, someone to fix things for us. That core issue is where I get back to the fundamentals of what it took to establish this nation, the sacrifices that were made, the stewardship that was demanded, the conservation and innovation that was demanded upon each person that came over in those early days. And if we can rekindle that direction, which again kind of goes back to our homes, I think we have an amazing future ahead to really reestablish the salt and the light as we should be. But you hit the key words. We have to be engaged and not just engaged in the principles of governance because that's just a, a subset of what we're really engaged with. It's our engagement with the intimacy in our relationship with Christ and through Christ to the Father. And, and, and the expression of that intimacy in terms of friendship with my brother and sister and the, and the community around us, I don't, think we're, I don't think we're intentional like perhaps we should if we, I mean, cause the more I press into Jesus, the more I find he starts to show me the beauty of people around me. And I have had, I think, a wonderful, significant transformation of my life in the last three, four years because God has taken moments where I had really tough circumstantial enemies that God was kind of saying, I want you to love them. And I'm going like, well, you know, that's really cute. I would if I could, but I checked the tank. It's empty. I don't love them. I want you to burn them. Okay? And so I'm sitting there going like, gosh, Lord, what is this love your enemies crap? I don't know how to do it. I, I wish, I mean, I thought I was one of the good guys and you're supposed to back me. Why am I, why am I having to love them? And just the deficiency of my own heart transformation, God would think, guess what? I'm so committed to you. I want you to press in and I want to show you something. I see them different than you. And once I started to be able to see how God saw them, I really, I, I, I fall in love with the fact that he's the author and the finisher. And he, he alone seems to have the perception of knowing how he can transform a life and what he can turn it into. 
And he loves me from that perspective. And he doesn't just love me from that perspective. He loves the guy I don't like from that same perspective. And he hasn't given up on them like I have. And that's the difference. And, and, and I'm going like, wow, if you could show me what you see, then perhaps that can fill my heart and I might have a better chance of loving them like you do because I can see what you see. And that really is stuff that he started to pour into me in a way that I'm just going like, no flipping way. When you say you love us, it's not because you have to. It's because with intelligence and design, you actually know what you purpose in me and how committed you are if I will respond to you to bring me there. And that has allowed me to give an awful lot more mercy and compassion to people who don't get it because I've recognized I don't either. And I just got to tell you, I get so excited because I'm going like, no way you can actually change anger in my heart that I thought was justified. And you can shift it towards love and compassion for someone I disagree with because you have revelation that I couldn't see. And if I'm, if I'm willing to see that, that's part of how that situation will get resolved. I mean, I, I've loved a few of my enemies into friends again. And I got to tell you, it's like, you know, raising the dead seems easier because you don't have a will that's opposed to you. When you got someone who's an active enemy and they know they wanted to do it, if you had told me I, I could actually have heart affection of kindness towards them, I would have said not possible. But with Jesus, I'm going like, yeah, that's possible. And that's great news because my focus is not trying to be right. It's trying to see like he does. Well, I think that's brilliantly said. So as we kind of close this out for the New Year's Eve show, and my reflections are very much not just as much on the past, but to take the lessons from the past and especially this past year and a lot of the powerful things that God has given us, the reflection within ourselves, the responsibility that we each hold in this walk, the need for intimacy in Christ and the need to build not in a, in a deep and personal way in that relationship, in a, in a trust in him, unlike anything I'd say that we normally do. And as we look forward then into 2022, really challenging myself to where are those going to be applied? How are we going to step into that new world? And with that, I think that we all feel there's some little seed within everybody of, a, of, a, of an anxiety or a fear that sits in there and says, yeah, but I, I don't know what that looks like. And yet God's got this and we're walking with him and he's guiding us. And I don't think we're intended to know exactly how it looks, but the pure trust in him is what makes it work. What are your thoughts going into this 2022 with what we've gone through in 2021? Um, you and I were talking the other night, um, I think it was like a couple weeks ago, but it was late in the night. And we were talking about the faith to move mountains and what happens when two or three are together and that, that, that double reflexive of together together. Um, there, it, 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 there, where there really is a shared intimacy, God inhabits that space. And you had such a delightful response 
in our conversation, you said, well, then let's do that. There's, there's, there's us. Why don't we just, let's just pray. I just, it was such a childlike excitement that you just said, well, let's just ask. I don't want to do Joe Biden's dark winter. I'm not going to submit to Joe Biden's dark winter. Let's change this. I got to tell you, your response just started to ignite faith in my own heart. And then you and I went off. We had a wonderful time of prayer. And I got to tell you, the thing that I want to encourage everybody as we, tour, as we go towards 2022, I'm tired of procrastinating, you know, what's going on and trying to figure it out. Because part of me is like, I'd like to change it. I don't want to be a victim of the global cabal's dark winter. I don't want to agree with their plans. I don't want to live in fear of their plans. Um, I'm going to prepare like the Dickens to be able to be able to go through anything. But then I'm not going to be silent. I am going to be a loud voice that cries out to the living God that says, hey, you and me together are a majority. And guess what? I got a few other friends that are coming with and we agree. So what can we establish on earth that looks like your kingdom? And how do we change the narrative so that it changes my life and the lives of all those around me and goes in the direction of what you intend to finish? God purposed this nation, and he purposed us in creation. So it's not just about all America. It's like he has something for man on this planet that is utterly extraordinary, and he's never giving up on that. So I don't want to either. I want to I want to lay hold of the powers of the age to come and just go like, okay, how do I conform my thoughts to your thoughts? And then how do we implement them here on the earth? And how do I prophesy what you want to do, God? How do I tractor beam my faith in agreement with others? And it's like, if there's a mountain in the way, well, then heck, let's move it. If there's a valley that's low that needs to be lifted up, let's do that. If there's something that's twisted, let's untwist it and set righteousness in its place. And I want to be an empowered disciple that just says, hey, I'm going to give my little two loaves and, and fish to the Lord and say, what could you do with this? And I'm wanting that 2022 to be so much different than the 2021 we endured. I, I, I want to I want to stop enduring and I want to start building and advancing at whatever sphere he'll enable me. If that's just me and my little neighborhood, well, guess what? I want to transform that. And I, I think that's the posture to take that I'm not going to be a disempowered victim. I'm not going to live under someone else's tyranny if I know the true king of kings. I'm going to be a king and I'm going to live in, in, in surrendered submission and dependence upon him. And frankly, he can change anything. I love that. And so let's do this. Let's pray and let's do this together. I'll start and you can finish, and let's set this New Year's off on the right footing in the direction of a true connection and, a, and an intimate connection with Christ and through Christ to the Father. It game on. Let's do it. Okay. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this moment and this blessed moment of coming together with the impassioned love of Christ and the impassioned love of you, this pursuit, Lord, that we are seeking to put you before all things, to cast aside this nonsense of and rhetoric that keeps coming from 
our enemy that's trying to constantly break us down and break our will. Lord, let us empower as well this, this importance of these words, civis pacem parabellum, which is truly, if we want peace, to prepare for war. But through that, let us embrace the true sense of that, which is the prayer and connection in you to guide us, to lead us, not to be idle, not to sit quietly on the sides, not to conjure up the ideas of violence that ultimately root in fear, but rather to stand up boldly and embrace our inheritance, to understand truly that we have been given the right to stomp on snakes and scorpions, to have dominion over all evil, and to embrace all of that, and to embrace as well as Christ has told us that we shall accomplish greater works than he. What a profound gift you've given us, Lord. Let us feel that in our heart. Let us pursue that with the absolute love and passion for you. Let us step aside from the fears, the anxieties, the sort of brain-numbing events that happen to try to keep us constantly off base, off footing, to be pulled into the chaos of the matrix and the darkness that calls to so many. Instead, for us to push hard into that principle of the salt and the light to truly elevate that in our homes, in our daily lives and walk and breath, and to become that in our communities, to start awakening the many around us, not just by word, but by action and by the true living spirit of living in Christ and to you, Father. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, I ask that you would pour out your spirit in such an amazing measure in each and every life of the people listening. God, would you, would you so fill them and flood them, fill me, fill, fill Scott in such a way that we really do live in an overflow. God, I do ask for forgiveness for moments of just disengaging because of feeling overwhelmed, of, of where I have passively agreed with the enemy. God, I don't want to agree with his future any longer. I don't want to give up the gift of my dominion and my creativity and hand it over to him and disengage. God, would you, would you cause something of the tenor that you said that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force? Would you cause the warrior spirit inside us to rise up and, and report for duty. And God, I'm not wanting to fight against flesh and blood. I want to dethrone the principalities and powers with the, uh, the, the victory you've already won. I want to be an enforcer of your finished work on the cross wherever it can be applied. And God, I ask for uh, just an increase of revelation and insight to everybody in practical ways where you, you taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. God, would you give us a vision for how to apply that in my own life, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my city, in my town, in, in my region? And, and, and can you advance our sphere? Will you, will you, will you cause influence of life-changing application to win the day? Um, God, I, I, I pray for our leaders. Would you hound them and would you strike them with conscience that they cannot continue down the wayward path that they are? Would you depose them 
And would you raise up folks that will do that job as faithful servants? Would you forgive us for disengagement, God? I, I, I just sort of feel like we have accepted way too much of a passive role and we haven't reported to duty to be part of the answer. I've sort of wanted someone else to do that. But God, I, I'm, I'm reporting to duty. I, I thank you for the gift of not just your friendship, but, but Scott and everybody else that you're bringing into my life. And, and, and Lord, on, on their behalf, would you knit us all together? as living stones, and would you build us into a habitation that you actually dwell in? And would you cause the world to just sort of marvel, like, what's going on there? God, I want to say yes to your dream for 2022. And I, I, I look forward to being drawn into your plans. And God, I ask that you would give me the resources, the will, the want to, to apply all of that as you enable me to. Would you supercharge everybody's gifts in a way that they really become active and not got not busy, effective, because we're putting our hand to the thing that's in front of us that you've assigned to us. God, I don't want to give somebody a false burden, but I ask that you ignite their purpose. And would you banish that sense that we are helpless and hopeless, Lord. Those words don't exist amongst your kingdom because wherever there is life and breath, there is a way forward. And, and, and God, I thank you that you are calling people together. You're knitting hearts together with intimacy. And I just ask you, Jesus, would you continue to do that? Would you glorify yourself in our midst and in our lives in such a way that the world out there that needs to see you actually something and is drawn to it. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a, it's going to be a great year. I really feel it. I think it's one of these that it's a choice. And I think that we are at a juncture of choice that we literally are on that, that split in the wide path and the narrow gate. And it's a, it's a beautiful moment that we can choose right now a direction of an impassioned love versus a darkness that, that just ends up in misery. And I'm, I know for myself, I know the conversations we have, we share this, we're, we're choosing that path of impassioned love and joy and excitement and light that's ahead of us. And I'm excited. I don't know about you. Yeah. Let, let, let me let the audience in on a fun little secret. I'm down in, in Florida right now just a half hour away from where they shot the Truman show. And I'm down here on purpose kind of for that reason of just going, there's something that means something about being near here, just going like, and I felt like the, 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 the promise I got was I get to get out. <laughs> I, I, I'm no longer going to be subject to the world of Christ. of It's trying to manipulate me, but it's sort of like, I, I think he's kind of shown me the door of how we get out. And there's just a sense of excitement that on, on the first of the year, I'm leaving the Truman show and I'm flying home. I got to tell you, <laughs> when I shared that with my family and we all just go, like, Ooh, <laughs> I think it is full of a real sense of promise. It's like we had a massive storm yesterday and I just kind of went, bring it, you know, is that all you got? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 
it, they're just for me. It, I I ha, I have these little lived out parables that I just kind of go like, this is fun, Lord. I I just I love the adventure you're letting me be on, and that you're and helping me see. But I want out of the matrix. I don't want to live under the tyranny of someone else's design for me other than Jesus. And I think the thing that I've heard resoundingly in the last couple of days is there's nothing the enemy can do to stop you from getting free. There just is nothing. He does not have that power. He can lie to you. He can frighten you. He can intimidate you. But he cannot stop the person that wants to know truth and find freedom. We just have to have the courage and the humility to go on that journey. So that's where I intend to go for 2022. And dude, I have so enjoyed you, the friendship and the the camaraderie of just going like, bring it. (laughs) Well, it's really is exciting times. And I, I hope people can really feel this because it is a choice. You know, it's uh. I, I refer back often to it's in my film. It's in the last uh, it's in the last firefight scene when we got ambushed in Sanguine. And it's in this moment of absolute chaos. And you have we've had RPGs and and PKMs being fired at us. And we're sitting there and I'm filming and this one guy, his name is Dave, there's an inside joke that we go we've been dealing with, which is that the Canadian government has decided that the best way to fight the fight is to always give people a well. So they will always send in a team and they'll be like, we're going to give you a well. And it doesn't matter where it is. It can be through a 60 feet or 6,000 feet of granite. They're going to promise them a well, even though the locals are looking at them going, yeah, whatever. Right. So we're in the middle of this firefight and he, he calls out and it's in the film, like I say, and he says, we're here to give you a well. We're here to give you a well. And in the middle of that, he did just the the Canadians just light up and just start hammering him with 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 shot. I say that because in the midst of what seems like an impossible moment and to really put that in perspective, we were all recorded as dead. And I'm not exaggerating this. All of us in that group had been reported to higher command as dead. And we're down there fighting for our lives. And we weren't. We were very much alive. In fact, we had we had turned the corner of that sudden gut chilling moment when you're like, oh, we're, we just you when you get hit with an ambush and then it just becomes this righteousness. It's like, uh, uh-uh, not today, brother. We're winning this fight. I don't care what your numbers are. We're winning and we're going home. Wow. That to me is a profound place that we're all at. You have to now turn the corner. Yep. You have to make the decision. Where are you going to go? Are you going to fall into the prison of hell or are you going to go home? And if you're going to go home, then you've got to stand up. You've got to have that fire and that passion of righteousness. And, you know, I'm just going to close with this here because you and I talked a lot last night and you were inspired me to check it out, which was the the film, The Matrix, the latest version. And I, I am. I mean, full testimony and honesty there. That whole piece, as you know, and I talked to you about it last night, I was angry. I was enraged and I was in, and what I was enraged about was this, this metal path again of like, well, we can't do it alone. We have to do it with some sort of biosynthetic help. And it just, it, it lit me up in anger. 
And I, I went to bed. I don't like going to bed with anger. And I was in prayer last night before I went to bed. I got up this morning. I'm talking to God. I'm like, man, look, I'm sorry, God. I, I am. I, I don't mean to be so angry. And I get this. And it's literally like Christ touching me. And he says, yeah, but I flipped tables and pulled out a whip. Don't forget that. And I was like, got it. Okay. The point is, it's okay. Yeah. You aren't supposed to walk passively in this life. If you're anchored in your righteousness and the fire that that brings, it's not anger of vengeance. It's anger of what is right and wrong. And what is wrong is what was there. And it just lit me up to go, okay, I know what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for all the glorious gifts that God gave us, that impassioned spirit, that ability to create endlessly. I don't need their synthetic bio junk and I don't want it near me, right? I, I was so blessed by your anger. <laughs> I said, so I, I don't disagree. I just was hearing my shepherd light me up with a sense of like, come on, bring it. It's like, let's get, let's get this game on. And it just was a sense of encouraging re-engagement for me going like, you know, I have been on this journey for 20 plus years with my eyes open. And I still just go like, wow, God, you are a Exposing the darkness like never before, and people are getting it. It's like, you know, it, it might be a, a little remnant, but the truth is, is it's still a remnant of thousands and millions that are getting it. And we're not alone. I am not helpless. I am not hopeless, and I am not alone. And and I just, I'm going like, this is perfect. I was I was born for this. You were born for this. And it's like. You know, I'm listening to you talk about, you know, you guys were accounted dead. And I'm going like, oh, that's so brilliant. That's so wonderful. Tribe of dead men. It's like, you're not going to get in the way, but you're going to get the job done. And so <laughs> I did. <laughs> There's truth to that. I'll tell you, it did get done. I'll tell you right now. But that's good. Yeah. Well, Brad, it's been a, a pleasure having you on the show today. Um, what an amazing conversation. And I think it's a great conversation because of what we're offering in the path of hope that you and I both embrace. And we just want as many to join in this, to walk with it. This is not an exclusive club. This is about walking with Christ and, and having that impassioned love of him and to trust so deeply that we just leave this garbage. And it literally is garbage. Yeah. This whole political rhetoric is just like, it is like constantly going through the dumpster to find something to eat each day. I, I don't do it anymore. I'm done. You know? No more dumpster diving. <laughs> no more dumpster diving. I mean, that, that's got to be one of the one of the the revelations for 2022. I commit to no more dumpster diving. How's that? I'm with you. <laughs> it is a, real food from it from, from heaven. This is good. That's it. That's it. Well, I hope you have a very blessed day, very safe travels home, and all of that. So awesome. Till till, till we till we talk again. Absolutely. God bless you, and uh, God bless everything you're doing this year. And thank you for your friendship, Brad. Yep. Thank you. Well, Patriots, that was Pastor Brad Cummings. Good friend, as you can tell. Just done. Just a great person that I enjoy exchanging with. We talk God and Christ all the time. And it's just, it's an unrestrained discussion about our love and passion in Christ. And I want that for everybody. And I hope you all have it. Look, this is 2021 has been brutal. I'm not going to, it's not be, it's not sugarcoat it. It sucked. It really did. And it really, it really sucked is to watch all the people just, you're just sitting around looking like, what are you doing? And they're, I am complying. And you're like, 
Okay, but you're an idiot. I know, but I'm going to comply. All right, whatever, man. But I'm not doing that. And I haven't been doing it, and you haven't been doing it. And that's the best thing. So celebrate that power and that love of Christ that you've had, the strength that you've had all this year, all this year to be able to say, <laughs> it hurts to watch my family go a certain certain direction. It sucks to have my family turn on me and tell me I'm crazy. But here's what's great. It's great because my love of Christ got stronger. My appreciation for what God gave us got stronger. You all can walk off into that pit if you want. Hope you enjoy swimming in the lake of fire. I'll kick that elevator right down there and give you a single bottle of water. Enjoy on down the way. But seriously, this has been a profound year to reclaim that true spirit of what we were given. You know, I've got the three, these three verses that I've been speaking a lot of lately, and it's essential to me that we keep these in our hearts. Mark 4.22, for nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but, it, that, but that it would come to light. They're not going to be able to hide their garbage. Not if we're standing with Christ, because there's nothing that's going to keep the truth from coming out and being seen by the eyes that God gives us and being heard by the ears that God gives us. Then there's Luke 10, 19. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will injure you. I don't know what else to say. It's like, man, okay, got that. Check, check that box. Now I'm going into battle. And that's the relentless fight. That's the righteous fire that burns in you, knowing with Luke 10, 19 right there. You know that you're going to see the truth because God's going to show it to you. Just trust in him. And this enemy's got nothing on you unless you let them have it. If you let the enemy get into your head and control you through your mind, the enemy's going to control you. If you just forget all that and put yourself with Christ, now you're stomping on snakes and scorpions. And they have no dominion over you. And then there's John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Greater works than these he will do. Patriots, that's who we are. That's our inheritance in three verses And it's the true strength of what we bring into this world. It is the true fear that the enemy holds against us because they know what this means. Pastor John Benzinger said last August when in an interview with him, he said, for those that doubt the existence of Christ, the enemy knows who he is. And that's why they work so hard to make you think he doesn't exist. This is a time right now for us to embrace that full love and passion that we have with Christ Jesus. This is the time right now for us to get close to him, trust in him, put our trust in Father in such a fantastic way. Fear nothing. Yes, this step we're taking off in 2022, you know what? I have no idea where it's taken us. I don't know how God's going to manifest stuff. But just like Brad said and just like I've told you myself, after Parts Fest, I was like, okay, I'm done. Sorry, Matrix. Sorry, Luciferian Order. But you can kiss my hiney because I'm done. I'm not playing your stupid games anymore. I am not walking with your garbage anymore. I'm not going to go through your ritualistic junk anymore. I'm not going to be obsessed with your sort of fear porn that you keep putting into headlines. 
I'm going to turn myself over to God and I'm saying, okay, God, here's the deal. I know that in many ways we're still tied to this dumb system because we don't have a choice. And God says, I know. And I say, okay, so what's the way out? And this is always the answer. Trust in me. And I'm like, okay, Lord. Okay. Okay. So we have so many great things going to happen this year. So many fantastic things that are going to happen this year. If you believe. We cannot lift people out of anger. That's something each person has to do. We can't lift people out of fear. That's something each person has to do. We can't lift people out of their own self-consumption and their own self-pity and whatever else goes on. But what they can do and what we can show them the way to is that love in Christ. Because once you accept the love in Christ, all things are possible. All things are healed. And once we begin to understand that, we then embrace the walk in the body of Christ and we are now in a place where no evil can injure us. There's nothing I can do. That's profound. Seriously profound. Look, patriots, it's not been the first time in my life that I've been pronounced dead. And I'm going to tell you, I'm still here and I'm laughing. I'm still here smiling. I'm like, all right, what do you else you got for me? You know, we were pronounced dead on that day. Seriously, I'm not kidding. We were pronounced dead on that day. They gave up on us. God didn't give up on us. We kicked the snot out of the enemy. On August, in August of 2017, they threw me in jail for 20 days. I thought my life was over. I seriously did. I walked into that. I'd never been in jail in my life. I'd never done anything wrong. They put me in jail for no charge for 20 days. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, did, I thought my life was literally over. And the door on that cell slammed shut, and I was like, oh, man. I look across that room, and on the back wall was a swastika that was drawn on the wall, and there's a skinhead sitting at the desk, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy, this is going to be one hell of a night. And that guy who I looked at who had tattoos all over his head and the back of his neck, he says, my name is Chris Metzger. And my mind went crazy because the only Metzger I ever had heard of was a head of the skinhead network on the West Coast. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to get ugly. And that group had killed an Ethiopian kid in Portland, Oregon, the town I was from. And I'm like, this is going to get ugly. And this is what he says. You tell me this isn't God working. He looks over his shoulder and he goes, oh, that. He goes, I've been trying to get the guards to give me something to clean that off for the week. I hate that stuff. I'm sorry it's still there. And then he looks at me and he says, good, things you, good thing you have me as a celly. God puts us together for amazing ways. I thought my head was going to explode. I'm like, Lord, what, what's going on here? God is always working in our lives. And in the most desperate of times, God is there, and he's there for a reason. And he puts us in these places for a reason. And he wakens us in times that we need to be awakened if we listen. So I'm telling you, patriots, whatever you're facing, whatever crisis is coming at you, whatever you feel, 
trust in God. Put your love in Christ Jesus. Do not waver on that. And I'm telling you, when that happens, the world opens up. And it, I'm going to tell you, you know, God has different timings. For some people, it's right away. For others, it's like two years. Thanks, God, for dragging that one out for two years. That was good. I'm kidding. And he smiles. And have conversations with the Lord. Don't, you have to be real. You heard Brad say it, and I was laughing so hard because I have those conversations. He's like, God, you heard it in there. God, I don't want you to love my enemies. I want you to burn them. <laughs> and I started laughing so hard. I'm like, oh, I've had that conversation before. Be real. God wants to hear our heart. He wants to live through us. He doesn't, he knows we're imperfect every day. Lord, I'm imperfect. He's like, yeah, I know. Well, Lord, I'm imperfect. You going to tell me again? Of course I know. What's the problem this time? Man, like put yourself out there. Lord, look, I know I did it again. I walked into the face of the wall, broke my nose. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm sorry. Forgive me, please. All right, what are we doing now? I need to get back up. Yes, you do, and you need to start kicking it because we got work to do. That's the bottom line. God loves us infinitely. Repenting is to put ourselves back next to the throne. Take it seriously, but don't let it burden you to where you're down. Like, honey, yes, uh, I need another set of chains with some razors on them so I can beat my back again till it's bloody. Okay, dear, I'll go right out and get them. I mean, that is not what we're talking about here. You want to play that game? I think there's some Coptic crazy going over on in the Middle East. You can join it. This is about empowerment. This is about God being in us and living through us. And it's about us building a deep and loving relationship with him. And that doesn't change the fact that we have unbelievable respect and we're humbled by all he gives. And we understand his greatness and power. All of that, all of that. And when we start to embrace all of that, it doesn't matter whether we have two, three, 300, 3,000, 3 million, whatever God has given, where two or three are gathered, this world's going to get shaken. So if you're feeling alone, and I've heard people say this, I feel like there's no one around me. Yes, there's plenty around you. What do you think prayer is? Prayer doesn't mean we have to be right next to each other. Prayer has the force of changing the world and moving mountains. And you could be on one side of the continent, on the other side of the continent. You can probably split the thing down the middle if you had enough faith and if God wanted it. So right now is a time to just celebrate all of the wisdom we were given in 2021 to embrace all the suck we lived through in 2021 because it was something. And we all know it. And we're like, oh, don't go into 2022 with that. We had our eyes opened. We saw what the enemy was about. We saw what the enemy was going to do, how persistent they were. You understand the enemy now. All right. You understand the enemy. You know the enemy. Now we defeat the enemy because the enemy hasn't seen us yet. All they have seen is a cowering bunch of sheep walking off the cliff with a face diaper on, taking an injection. But they haven't seen the righteous fight begin. That fire is lit. Let those fires burn. And as they burn into 2022, 
let the voice of God resound across this land and let the throne be filled once again with our King and Savior in this land. That's how it was intended. So, patriots, we'll be back. I'll be back in an hour. I'll play music in between now and then chat will be open. But keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into this fight. Prayers are the foundation of everything that we do in this weapon of, in our weapons of war. They are the most lethal tools that we have as we invoke the power and love within Christ Jesus and God in this world, and we shake the foundations of this evil. We're walking on the rock of faith. God is with us, and he's never going to forsake us, and the more that we lean into him, the more he emboldens all that we can do. And yes, you can solace yourself by saying, well, God in the end wins, great. But he's got us here for do a mission, to complete our mission, and I have no intent on failing that mission, and nor should you. So it's time for us to light the fires, to get the righteousness burning, and to step into this evil and crush it. I'm tired of them playing, <clears throat> I'm tired of them playing their game. We have the authority over all evil. Let's use it. So have a very blessed evening. Have a very, very happy new year. And hopefully I'll see you in the next hour. Until then, or until the next time, God bless. Happy new year. God is good. And out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, 
the energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 